listening to From the Friars, the podcast of the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York. There was, in recent news... a story that struck me as epitomizing so many aspects of the brokenness of fallen humanity in its current messy form. A pornographic actress committed suicide. As far as I can tell, the story of her suicide wouldn't have hit mainstream news outlets except for the fact that her suicide occurred after being cyberbullied over refusing to work with a male actor who had previously done gay pornography. Apparently, apparently standards for testing actors in the gay side of the industry for sexually transmitted diseases are negligible, and so she took a stand and called out those hiring this man and warned her replacement, and social media users everywhere attacked her and accused her of being homophobic. She tried to defend herself for a while and ultimately posted a final message, two words, you can probably guess, and then she hung herself. My experience counseling people induces me to surmise that there's a connection between this woman having become a pornographic actress and certain details of her childhood. She was routinely molested by her grandfather before the age of 12 which is enough to destroy someone, but I dare say worse is the fact that her father not only didn't believe her, but sent her off to a group home. I have to imagine that doing pornography gave her some semblance of control over the scarred, her scarred sexual sphere, and perhaps even gave her something of a sense of being wanted in some way, something she hadn't experienced growing up. There are a lot of us today who don't feel wanted, don't feel valuable, and are very confused about who we are. We live in a society today that tells us that we even have to figure out for ourselves what our gender is. Imagine that kind of burden. Certain cycles of lack of love, lack of true affirmation, have been passed on now for enough generations that vast numbers of members of our society are so emotionally fragile that as a society, we don't don't know what to do. Our society feels so helpless and so, it feels so bad for the fragility of people that it's not inconceivable that we will see laws passed where it would be a, become a crime to not use the right pronoun for someone you're speaking to because everyone's so fragile in their identity. Some refer to our society today sarcastically as the snowflake culture, a culture where a parent might say, my, children is one, my child is one in a million, 
whatever he or she, or whatever pronoun might be used, whatever he or she is or thinks or feels is special and must be affirmed and must not be threatened in any way. Some of you may remember that when Donald Trump was elected, universities across the country told their students that classes were canceled because the students needed space to suffer emotional meltdowns. That happened. They needed space to not have to face the world. The fragility and insecurity of people is real. It's not a joke. It should not be ignored or made fun of. But rather than sheltering people from what triggers their woundedness, there's a pathway to healing, a real affirmation of what one is truly. God introduced it in a definitive way in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago in a very quiet, very humble manner. About 30 years later, some men and women in a, a, a different time and a different culture from ours, but surely one with its own woundedness. About 30 years later, some men and women crashed into it and they tell us the story and it goes like this. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. And God became man among us. God took on a human nature just like ours and we saw him. We met him. We looked into his eyes. That happened to us. They tell us. These men and women were not so unlike us. They, too, were starving for something. Starving to know who they were, from whom they came, for whom they were made. They were starving for a father who would give them to themselves, who would show them who they are. This is who you are. Let me reflect back to you your truth, your dignity. They were starving for a father like that, and when they met the son, though they didn't have the words to explain it on day one, among other things, they felt relief. A relief to feel to be oneself for the first time. Under his gaze, when he looked at you, you knew you were important, dignified, valuable. These men and women shared this gift with everyone they met. And we are here today because of it. We are here today because someone introduced it to us. We are here today, it's not an exaggeration to say, because Francis of Assisi introduced it to us. Because once Christ happened to him in this way, he understood that on Christmas Day, everything changed. 
it became possible to no longer have to invent oneself. He understood. It became possible to no longer have to make oneself grand. On Christmas Day, the answer to everything appeared as a gift, a pure gift. And he was sent on a mission to underline this reality, perhaps in a way no one ever had before. God set him up for that. And he did it by living a profound gratitude for the gift. Because that's how one responds to a gift. That's, that's, that's all one can do in the face of a gift is say thank you. He lived a profound gratitude for it and a profound reverence for it because he understood the import of it. The seismic shift that happened that day, it crushed him. And he always held it in memory. It's why he would say, maybe some of you remember, it's why he would say to Brother Morico, who asked if they should abstain when Christmas fell on Friday, you sin, brother. You sin, brother, when you call Friday the day on which a child is born to us. The day when unto us a child is born. You sin, brother, when you call Friday the day when unto us a child is born. I want, he said, even the walls to eat meat on that day. And if they can't, at least let their outsides be traced with it. Francis was someone who had himself met Christ in poor and humble people and places. And he was torn in two by the mystery of it, by the humility of it. This is why he wanted to see it before his own eyes, his own bodily eyes. Just like those who had said, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen His glory. He wanted to know what they knew. He wanted to experience what they experienced. And that's why he said to John of Greccio, in explanation of why he wanted John to get an ox and an ass and take them to a cave on a mountain so they could celebrate Mass over a living image of Bethlehem. It's why he said to John, of Gretchen, an explanation of that, for I wish to enact the memory. I wish to enact the memory. To act out the memory. To bring to life again the memory of the one who was born in Bethlehem. I wish to look upon with bodily eyes in one way or another, the discomfort of his infant needs, how he lay in a manger, and how with ox and ass standing by he lay upon hay. For I wish to enact the memory of the one who was born in Bethlehem, to look upon in one way or another. It's hard to translate that the Latin is, uh, where's Father Fidel's? Utcumque. I wish to, I want to look upon with my bodily eyes somehow or however it might be possible 
Somehow I have to, in, in whatever manner it might be possible, I have to look upon with my bodily eyes. This poor baby. This poor infant. Because this is where everything changed. This is where everything became possible. In this moment, when he lay in a manger with ox and ass standing by, laying upon hay. One of the reasons why Francis of Assisi was so profoundly grateful and awestruck and wanted to see it with his own bodily eyes and hold it in memory and awaken it in the memories of others is that Bethlehem was not just a band-aid, was not just a doctor coming to perform surgery. It was also the revelation of human dignity and grandeur. It was God coming to show us what we really are. Francis writes, Note well, O human being, in what excellence the Lord God has placed you. For he created and formed you unto the image of his beloved Son according to the body, and his likeness according to the Spirit. Francis of Assisi tells us that when you look at that baby in that manger, you're looking at the one in whose image you were created, the incarnate Son, the eternal Word of the Father made flesh, is the one in whose image you were created. God had in mind, when he created Adam and Eve, he had in mind that baby laying in that manger. Francis says. Which means that he made you in a profound dignity, meaning that when you see Jesus Christ, you see the one that, that uh, he had in mind when he made you, which means that he did the most mar- God did the most marvelous and affirming thing possible. God gave us his own son clothed in our humanity, which among other things is a remarkable assertion that you are good. You're fallen and broken, but you're good. It's a statement that you are wanted. It's a statement that the infinite is interested in you cares about you, intends to come for you. This is what tells us who we are. This is what tells us who we are. You are not the sum of your inconsistencies. You are not the sum of your confusions. You are not the sum of your wounds. You are what he tells you you are. He's the one who decides. 
who gives you to you, who gives you your dignity. The reason our society cannot discover a solution today is that it doesn't begin from whole and healthy. It doesn't know what whole or healthy looks like. If you want to know what whole and healthy looks like, and therefore what you were created to be, look at that baby in that manger. And this is why Christmas is a mercy of unfathomable proportions. It's the revelation that you are loved. And that you're loved because you're lovable. And you're lovable because you are made in the image and likeness of the incarnate Son. And in that, you can find your identity. Francis and John of Greccio and the people of Greccio did see, in some manner with bodily eyes, this mystery the humility of the Incarnation. And honoring the simplicity, exalting the poverty, commending the humility, as Thomas of Chilano writes, out of Greccio was made a new Bethlehem. And out of Greccio was made a new Bethlehem. It wasn't just because of the visual reenactment, though. Because Christ was truly made present bodily that night when Francis celebrated Christmas there. Because over the manger, the Holy Eucharist was celebrated. Because Francis believed, because Francis of Assisi believed, that the last verse of the Gospel of Matthew, I will be with you until the end of the ages, he believed that that verse was fulfilled on the altar on an altar, on every altar, just like this one, where he becomes truly present every day in the hands of the priest in the Eucharist. This morning, with gratitude to him and hope for ourselves and our troubled world, let us complete this Holy Mass and out of St. Adalbert's make a new Bethlehem. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please visit us on our website, franciscanfriars.com, or follow us on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans. God bless you.